Well, I just want to start by welcoming you all. It's really good to see all you guys here. I, uh, I look forward to this every week. I get really excited about uh, this service, about spending time with you guys, getting in the Word with you guys and worshiping. It's, uh, I'm really blessed to see you guys and to welcoming you, to welcome you guys, all you guys here this morning I, or evening. I'm, I'm almost here. And if you're new here, I'm Brandon. I'm uh, one of the leaders here of this service. And the past few months, we've been going through the book of Galatians. And uh, it's a really awesome and powerful letter written by Paul. And uh, we looked at a lot of the kind of passion that he writes with. And sometimes using harsh language gives us a lot of warnings. And, uh, but he also gives us a lot of encouragements. And so it's been a really cool book to go through. We're almost to the end. Next week, uh, I believe, is going to be our last week, if I can fit uh, chapter 6 into one week. And uh, then we're going to be starting a new series, uh, which I'm really excited about. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. We're going to go to the Old Testament, uh, looking at the book of Judges. And we're going to do it a little differently than we did with the book of Galatians. Instead of going verse by verse all the way through, we're going to look at the characters. And we're going to look at these different judges. And the title of this series is going to be Heroes and Villains. Because the whole book of Judges is this kind of systematic cycle of them following, following God's will, doing what God wants them to do, and then falling away. And then God sends in people who come the villains, if you will, who come in and uh, take over, sometimes take over sections of Israel, putting the people in captivity, sometimes the whole nation as a, or the nation as a whole. But um, there's some really cool things that we can learn from these judges, some really cool things that we can kind of uh, examine and uh, grow from. One of my favorite Bible characters uh, in the whole Bible is Gideon. And uh, so we're going to probably spend a lot of time looking at Gideon, who... Uh, went from being this kind of fearful man hiding from the enemy to a great leader who led the people to victory. So that's going to be a cool series. So that's not next week, but the week after, I believe, hopefully. Um, and we'll be looking at heroes and villains in the book of Galatians, or in the book of Judges. I'm almost here, guys. And uh, last week, we... Uh, Sam preached, and he went through the middle section of chapter 5. And so now we're going to be looking at the last section of chapter 5, which, again, is this kind of peak of the whole book of Galatians. It's kind of the, I don't know, it's where all the famous verses are, you know, the, that were, were set free, and one of the most famous that we're going to be looking at today is the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, looking at the Holy Spirit and how to be led by him. So before we dive into that, I just want to take a minute and pray and give this time over to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much, Father, for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that challenges us, that prepares us, Father. And so I ask that uh, you would help us to have our hearts opened have my heart open, that we would hear your voice today, God, that we would be led by you, and that you would teach us how to be led by you. I thank you so much for what you want to do in this service tonight. So we surrender it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text is going to be uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. And uh, I'm going to be reading a different version than I normally do. Uh, I normally try to read the NIV because it's what we have on the screen most of the time. But uh, today we have the ESV and uh, it's uh, just felt like a better translation for this text. And personally, it's one that I, I really enjoy. I like the ESV. So just to let you know, we're going to be reading a little bit different translation than we normally do. Um, and I also like to just take time to say, if you're new to church, if this is your first time, if you're just checking out Christianity, 
uh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, which is a huge part of what we believe. It's a huge part of our faith as Christians that uh, it's, we operate in connection with the Holy Spirit. So if you're just like, hey, I don't, you know, what's he going on about Holy Spirit? I don't know what that means. I want to, it's my hope that uh, you would have questions, that you would be challenged, and uh, I hope that you hang in there and, and stick it out and kind of uh, hear what, what we have to say. And if you have questions, we're always open uh, to any questions you would have about anything that we say up here. So, chapter 5, again, this just awesome chapter, the pinnacle, the peak of all of the book of Galatians. So I want to start with uh, the very first verse and kind of re-emphasize how this unfolds. Because he kind of, all of chapter 5 is this kind of unfolding of the Holy Spirit and our freedom that we have. So we'll start with verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, this is a bit of review uh, that we looked at last week and the week before. But before we kind of build on what we have for today, I think it's good to start with where we were. So in review, I want to point out two, I want to make two points about this verse before we go on. The first is that Jesus Christ set us free, that we are free from the guilt, the shame of sin. We're free from the penalty of sin that we've been set free once and for all. We've talked a lot about this through the book of Galatians. It's the core message, but man, I just, I love saying it and I love hearing it. So I'm going to say it again. Probably won't be the last time that we have been set free. And what's interesting about this, this particular verse is that we're set free so that we can enjoy freedom It is for freedom that you've been set free. That's such a beautiful image that it's not just about being set free, but so that we can enjoy that freedom. We looked at that a few weeks ago, that we can enjoy being free. We can hold our heads high. We can walk boldly into the throne room of God because of the freedom we have. And so we don't want to just know that we're free. We want to embrace that freedom. We want to enjoy that freedom because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And if you're a believer, then that is talking about you. The second point I'll make is this, is the command that he makes there. So we've been set free, and he says, now stand firm. Stand firm. And uh, that's a really powerful two words. It's not a lot of words, but it's saying a lot. So he's saying... Be free, continue in being free, you know, standing firm in your freedom. And that goes further into living for God, which is kind of what we've been all building up for up to for the last three months now is uh, yes, we're, we're free. We're free because God wants us to be free and because he wants us to enjoy that freedom. But we are also called to stand firm and to live for God. And we've talked a lot about how that does not mean that we work for salvation. We're not trying to earn anything. There's nothing you can do to make yourself any better before God. It doesn't matter how good you live or how bad you live. God loves you 100% right now. And we've talked about that, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not if you do this, not after you do this, not if you don't do this, it's you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that is our freedom. So we need to stand firm in that. But uh, that's not so easy sometimes. (laughs) It's not easy to stand firm and to live right before God in our everyday lives. So let's also kind of continue in our review and and actually read verses 13 and 14 of chapter 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now Paul is making the same point again, that we're called to freedom. You're called to enjoy what Christ has done for you. You don't have to 
uh, battle all the time with trying to earn your way to God or earn your righteousness before God, but we also want to live right before God. He's saying, hey, you're free. You're free from that, but it doesn't give you the license to do whatever you want. And uh, Sam kind of talked about this last week, but I think we need to reiterate it that it does not freedom, absolute freedom that we have in Christ, that he has truly set us free, that for freedom you've been set free, and those whom the sun sets free are free indeed. That does not mean you can now do whatever you want. That we don't want to use that as an excuse to live for ourselves. And um, so we're called to freedom, but we're also called to live righteously. We want to live righteous before God in the way that we live and present ourselves. And Paul is uh, quoting Jesus uh, from Luke, or it's in several Gospels, but Luke 10.27 is my favorite. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's where that comes from. It's not just uh, Paul's idea. It's Jesus' idea. He's the one who set us free, and he's saying, this is how you live. This is how we live in freedom. This is how we stand firm in our freedom. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So love God and love each other, you know. Actually, just in my head right now, just I, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, you know. They, uh, he doesn't say, uh, you know, now go and do miracles. He says, now wash each other's feet. And so there's this kind of community relationships that need to be a part of our lives. So, but it starts to sound like law again, right? And we've talked a lot about we're not under the law. We're free from the law. But then we hear this kind of idea of, okay, thou shalt love God and thy neighbor, and thou shalt not do what thou wantest. <laughs> it's my old kind of King James version. Meaning living by the flesh. So if we're free from the law, then how do we combine all this together? So we are free from the law. I think we can be clear on that. Paul emphasizes this again and again all throughout the book of Galatians. That Jesus freed us. And what he did is once and for all, it's done. We're free from the law. But we're not free to do whatever we want. We need to live righteously. And the truth is that it's impossible. It's impossible for us to live right before God. It's impossible for you or me or anybody to do the right thing all the time, to live a righteous life before God. You can't do it. It's impossible. But we shouldn't give up because we have help. The Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. So Jesus saved us. He set us free. That deed is done. But then from there, when it comes to living our lives, we live through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can truly live right, truly live a righteous life before God. Only through the Holy Spirit. Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's pretty simple. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the difference. So it's not a matter of my willpower. It's not me trying really hard in myself, and my own strength, because that's impossible. It's not, you're not able to. It's walking with the Holy Spirit who leads me away from those desires so that I'm not doing whatever I want all the time, that I'm not giving into those desires. And when it comes to walking by the Spirit, I want to be very clear. First and foremost, that means that you have the Holy Spirit. You can't walk with the Holy Spirit if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And if you are a believer, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, You've confessed that, you're a believer, and you have the Holy Spirit. There are two verses 
that I think emphasize this and paint the picture really clearly for me. And uh, the first is Romans, oops, don't hit that, is Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So only you and God know if you truly believe that. You know, you can say it without believing it. I think that's possible. But if you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, you're saved. It's that simple. You are a believer, a Christian. You are adopted into God's family. You are a son, a daughter of God. And if we combine that with 1 Corinthians 12.3, and here the context is a little bit different. He's talking about false teachers and, uh, and different kinds of things, but the message is clear. And I'm going to read the second half of verse 3. It says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. They go hand in hand. As soon as we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives, the Holy Spirit is there. And that's good news because it's impossible to live for God without the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer here today, you've declared Jesus is Lord of my life. And that doesn't mean that you always live it. We'll get into that. It doesn't mean you live perfectly but you know in your heart that he died and rose again for your sins. You're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And if that's weird for some people, it's just getting started. It might get weirder. So Holy Spirit, some weird stuff, but it's exciting stuff. It's good news that we have help. So verse 17 for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So, walk by the spirit. It's about our journey that we're on. It's about this life as a believer. It's the everyday life that we live as Christians. That's the walk that we take. And with the Spirit, He is always leading us away from those desires, always transforming our heart. And this is what we looked at uh, a few weeks ago of this idea that the work that Christ began in us, He will see it to completion that's done through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's transforming our lives. So we're on this journey as believers, and we're not alone. We don't walk alone. When we pray and we feel a sense that uh, God's in the room, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit at work. When we used to act this way, we used to, you know, have deal with this sin or have these desires, but man, less and less. That's the Holy Spirit. He's leading us always away from those things. It's, but it is a battle. It's a battle. And, and Sam mentioned this last week, but I, I just feel like we need to emphasize it again, that it is a battle. It's not something that you're going to reach this point in your life, in this life, at least while we're alive. We're not going to reach this point where, okay, I've that's it. I, I don't sin anymore. I don't deal with temptation anymore. I'm above that. It's a battle that we face every day. And uh, Paul himself dealt with this battle. And he emphasizes it in Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 15. I'll just read the first. He goes on and on about it, but I'm just going to read this, verse, this first verse. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So that is what this battle looks like. There's this transforming of our desires in our heart through the Holy Spirit, who's continuing that work that he began in us. And yet our flesh is also still there. 
because we're still, you know, human beings. We still have flesh and blood, and we still are going to struggle with the desires of the, of the flesh, and uh, we're going to find ourselves falling back into that. And man, I just, I don't know, am I, am I just preaching to me up here? I mean, can anybody relate to this, this idea of, of struggling with that? Have you been in that place? Feeling desperate, maybe feeling helpless, that you're trying so hard to do the right thing. You're trying so hard to do what's right, but again and again, you fail and you do what you hate. You do what you didn't want to do. And I do. I know that. I know that well. I know it this week. I had, man, this week. So I have a day job, you know, that I go to during the week. And after work is when I'm supposed to be working on my, you know, prep for Sundays, my uh, study. And uh, I struggled this week. It was a struggle. I had my lists. I had the things that I want to do. I wanted to spend time, this much time in prayer and this much time with God and this much time in the word, you know, and then I sat down, I was ready to go. And then I did the things I hate, like Facebook and YouTube and God help me, Netflix. That's, it's like a curse on my life. I love Netflix. But anyway, and these things in themselves aren't bad things, okay? I just want to be clear, you know, you're not sinning if you watch YouTube videos or Netflix, I hope. So, but being lazy is, and um, yeah, I was being lazy. I was being, I had a couple days this week where I was just lazy, and I was doing the thing I hate. And uh, so I understand this. And I think we all have these struggles we deal with where we know what we want to do, we know what we should do, and yet we don't do it. We do the things we hate to do. And that's normal. That's a part of the walk. The key is to keep going, to keep, to run to God, never away from God. Because when we know that we're free, when we know that it, we're completely free from the guilt and the shame of sin, it, when we deal with those things, it makes us run to him because we know his grace is sufficient. We know that his grace is what transforms our lives. And so that's why these always have to go hand in hand, that when we talk about how do I live my life out, we always have to talk about it in connection with our freedom because if we start to think, oh man, I was lazy again and, you know, I did this and I you know, shouldn't have done that or we can start to feel guilt and we can start to feel like, I'm, like, I'm, like we're further away from God. But in reality, when we know that we're free and we know that we're set free forever, then we run to him. God, help me deal with this. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Where we're working, we're walking in connection with what the Holy Spirit is doing. So, we might go long today, guys. Hope you are comfortable. So I want to just build this kind of image of this battlefield that we're on. And uh, we're going to go through a few more sins, some, a few more things that uh, we looked at last week. And uh, we'll go through verse 18 through 21. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I feel like I just want to, before we go into some of these, this will not inherit the kingdom of God is talking about unrepentance. That means you aren't, it's not a battle for you. That means it's not something you deal with. You just say, hey, no, that's just, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's what he's talking about. This kind of, hey, if you are, if you're acting out these things and you feel like there's, there's nothing wrong, I'm not, I, you don't feel that sense of battle, then uh, the question starts to be, well, do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? That's what he's talking about, I think, there. 
just as a, a side note, going into these sins, I'm going to go through them really quickly because we went through them last week, um, and I've kind of put them into, into small groups here. So we have idolatry is essentially anything in your life that is above God. Anything that you put higher than God. And uh, like Netflix, for example. Or anything that we just kind of honor more than we honor God. I think uh, a huge problem today is, you know, uh, musicians or celebrities or um, whatever it might be. And you know your heart. I think we've all had moments. It can also be a spouse. I think that's something we tend to forget we're not supposed to worship our husband or our wife. We're supposed to worship God. And so uh, it can be sometimes things that seem good, but nothing can be put in a higher honoring position in our hearts than God. And that's what idolatry is, essentially. Uh, the next group, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. This covers all sexual sin. Everything that can fit into that box, into that realm is covered, and uh, this is this is looking at pornography and or dealing with lust or um, you know any kind of impure thoughts in your mind, uh, any kind of sexual act that's outside of God's image of marriage, and so uh, I don't think I'm going to get into any more detail detail than that. Anything that is a sexual sin, Paul is covered with these few examples the next is strife jealousy rivalries dissensions divisions this is all to do with our interactions with others this is building unnecessary conflict basically i think is the root of all of these and so if you've ever been in a situation where you were conflicting or arguing or unnecessarily building conflict where there didn't need to be based off of uh Maybe a, a jealousy based off of, you know, wanting to be better or feeling better. Anything along that lines is going to fall into this category. Again, all of these things are examples of this idea of doing the things that we hate to do. So number one, you should hate to do these things. And uh, number two, it's okay to deal with them. It's okay to have that moment where you're like, man, you know, why did they get the raise and I didn't? You know, or why, uh, you know, why is my sibling always, you know, getting the best job and have everything go well for them and I'm struggling all the time or whatever, anything like that, any kind of jealousy or rivalry or dissension between anybody is something that we can deal with, uh, but it's obviously our goal is to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we're led away from that. So in those moments, we run to God, God. I did it again. I'm jealous. I did it again. I'm conf you know, having this conflict I'm dealing with. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to surrender it to you. So that is with all, to do with all of our interactions and conflicts with other people. Sorcery, enmity, fits of anger. Briefly, I think this could be summed up as selfishness. Selfishness. It's the idea that you are more important. And I especially, I put sorcery in there. Obviously, it's the idea of actual sorcery. If you're into like, you know, witchcraft or anything like that, obviously not a good idea. But the Bible also compares rebellion to sorcery or witchcraft. And so uh, I think, I mean, for me, I don't know, I was a teenager once and rebellion was definitely something I dealt with. And uh, so any kind of rebellion, it's all, all of these kind of fit into this idea of making it about you. Uh, enmity is basically kind of this feeling oppressed and then in, in turn being hostile towards other people. It's kind of playing the victim like, oh, poor me. It's all, you know, everyone's against me. And then uh, fits of anger is this idea of, you know, I need to be heard. It's kind of putting your, your presence and your position above everyone else. And so it's all this kind of selfish, this selfishness. And lastly, we have drunkenness and orgies. This is all about indulgence. 
just complete self-indulgence, whether it be alcohol or drugs or, or sex or anything that you just say, whatever, I just, you know, I want as much as I can get and I don't care about any consequences. That's kind of what that entails. And that's also rooted in a selfishness. And the point to me is, is this, that everyone in here is, is dealing with at least one or two of those issues. Like, there's no way that any of... That, that's all, that pretty much is all of humanity's sins are based in that list. And so, that's kind of the battlefield we're on. Those are the things that we're dealing with. And uh, just to kind of be clear on what we're facing. But... In verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, and that's the other side of the battle, that we want to live a life that's led by the Spirit. And there's two aspects that I want to emphasize. The one is daily living. So this is, you know, spending time in the Word and spending time with with Christ and prayer. And it's daily, day-to-day living with the Holy Spirit, that we're daily led by the Holy Spirit in what we're doing. But something that God really placed on my heart as I was preparing this message and re-emphasized it this morning and all throughout the day is that also this means saying yes to God when He leads you or calls you to something specific. When He calls you to do something or to go somewhere. And I feel like uh, there might be a few people here that God's calling you to do something. God's been putting something on your heart to do or to somewhere to go. I don't know what it might be, but I feel like God wants to kind of encourage you to be led by him and to trust him. Be led by the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that puts things in our hearts. And I will, uh, I'll be real with you guys. I'll open up so uh, hopefully can be an example, maybe even an encouragement, that um, I understand fear when it comes to being led by God. I have uh, one huge example is when God called me to move to Germany. It was really scary, and uh, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I just kind of went, and it was really frightening. But uh, another example that I kind of I want to use today is the time when God told me to start this service. I, I knew that God put it on my heart. I felt led, but I was afraid. It was terrifying because, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. And I think uh, you have to really know that God's calling you to do something like that. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, it wasn't easy to say yes to him in that. And I struggled with it for a while. But I want to encourage you guys that if God's putting something on your heart, if you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm being led to do this. I'm being led to go here. Don't be afraid to say yes. But that doesn't mean that you aren't allowed to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fear. But say yes anyway. And Paul gives an example of this in... Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2 through 3, he says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. He was afraid. He was terrified to go, but he went anyway. He said yes to what God was leading him to do. And I want to encourage you, if you have something on your heart, don't be afraid to say yes. Because courage is not fearlessness. It's moving forward despite our fears. You can't actually have courage without fear. Because if you don't have fear, it's not really courage. It's just more like crazy. It's okay to have fear and to be afraid of what that might mean. Even if it seems like, man, no way, this is too big. No way this is like... I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to, you know, change jobs. I'm going to have to, whatever it might be, say yes to him. Because I can tell you from my own experience, when you say yes to God, 
When you say yes to the Holy Spirit's leading you in a direction, he gives you the provision you need every step of the way. Every step of the way. I mean, I can tell you, when it came to starting the service, when I finally was like, all right, we're going to do it. I talked to Sam. We had been talking about it for, for almost a year and a half. And I was like, all right, this is the date. We're doing it. This is the date we're starting. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have nobody to do anything in the service. And I was like, if it's just me standing up there and, you know, there's like one, you know, just my wife, Bex, sitting in the front row, then I'm starting it because I know that's what God's leading me to do. And as soon as I did that, God led Giannis to become the worship leader, started bringing in our team. It was like, and it wasn't me. It was just, God was just like, hey, I had all this ready, man. I just needed you to say yes first. So I want to encourage you, man, God's going to give you the provision you need. Being led by the Spirit allows God to bring those resources that he's already got in the works for you. So, ooh, going late again. But uh, I think that's important. It's important for us to remember to be not afraid to be led by the Holy Spirit when it comes to specific things that he's asking us to do. And I'll just kind of add to that really quick without spending too much more time. That... uh, if you do have something that you feel led in right now, that I encourage you to take time and find somebody to talk with about it. Make a declaration. Hey, I know that I'm, I'm feeling led in this. Can you pray with me about it? Find someone you trust. Talk with them. Pray with them. Make a declaration that I know I'm hearing God's voice and I'm afraid. I'm afraid of saying yes. And, uh, but when you speak it out to somebody, it'll, God will give you strength. God will encourage you in that. So I just, I feel like I need to linger on that a bit. I don't know. I just really believe that there's some people in here that God's got something on, on your heart that he's leading you in. And I also want to invite you. You can come up, talk to me, talk to any of the leaders here, and we'd love to pray with you as well. And just pray, what does it look like? Pray out, uh, what is God leading you in? So, when we're led by the Spirit in our daily life and in our, these big things, we're going to start to see more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We're going to start seeing the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to go very quickly through all of the fruits of the Spirit somehow. So let's look at verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, just to be clear, kind of a side note, the fruit of the Spirit is a singular thing. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's also singular in Greek. And that's important to know because the fruit of the Spirit is something that is developed in us through the Holy Spirit. And it comes with all of this. It comes with those virtues. So it's not, uh, well, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, uh, you know, goodness, but I don't have very much patience. Or It's all, you get, it's all or none. When we have the Holy Spirit, He's working on all of those things in us, that we will see all of those fruits, uh, all of those virtues kind of manifest, that it's, it's one thing that we receive with the Holy Spirit. So love comes, is number one. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, you know, without love, nothing else matters. Without love, it doesn't matter how, how much you know, how much uh, of, the other, of these other virtues that you have. Love is number one. And God is love. God is all-encompassing what love is. So even our ability to understand love and our ability to grasp love comes from our relationship with Him. And that's why it's number one. And as soon as we become believers and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. I think love is the first one we're going to connect with because Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross is the perfect expression of love. You know, this is love that he gave his son to die for us. So love is one of the most important virtues and the most important things that we're going to see developing in our hearts and in our lives 
as we're walking, as we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Joy, I believe this is the joy that comes in, again, in our understanding of our freedom in Christ, our understanding of our salvation, that we are a part of God's family. And when we know that, it's, it gives us joy, it gives us excitement that we know we belong to his family. And this is the joy that is our strength in the hard times, in the times when things seem really like they're just going against us. It's the joy in knowing who we are in Christ, knowing the relationship we have with him that gives us the ability to push through them. Now, peace, when I, when I read peace here, I, I think... I immediately go to what Jesus said, where he said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think this is the kind of peace we're talking about. It's this, again, in the midst of storms, in the midst of hard times. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go well. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, your whole life's going to be, you know, a beach vacation. It means that you're going to have peace. You're going to know that you have rest because of Christ and because of your relationship with him. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit that allows us and reveals to us that fact that we have rest in him no matter what's happening. Now, patience, I have no idea what patience is. I'd, no, I, it's definitely not my strongest suit. But I think that uh, patience, the way that patience is, is kind of described as a fruit is about endurance. So it's, it's not just, you know, patience to deal with children. God bless you all who have that gift. And, um, it's, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's endurance through the hard times, through the dry seasons, when things are rough, when things are, are difficult, that we have endurance to know that God's going to get us through because we know that all things work out together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. That's patience is this knowing that. And it's like, hey, you know what? Paul says, you know, Paul lists all of the, the troubles that he dealt with in his life, which was more than any of us can imagine. And he says, it's all light and momentary. So that to me is this image of patience that Everything we deal with is just light and momentary in comparison to what we have to come. Kindness, goodness, I'll put together, be nice. It's, it's, the, it's this showing and expressing God's goodness to the people around us. It's generosity, it's empathy towards others, and it's putting others the benefit of others above ourselves. Faithfulness, is consistency. It's consistency. It's every day being consistent in our beliefs, in our understandings, and building, I think it's a lot of building on what we know. So when we have these experiences and the Holy Spirit is, is moving in us and working in us and leading us in things, that we are faithful to keep on going and to not go back, but to keep moving forward and to keep pushing toward Christ in all that we do. Gentleness. Jesus gives himself as an example for gentleness, or he says to look at him in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. <laughs> so to me, gentleness is number one about being teachable. It means that you're not, your heart is not hard. You're, you're soft to be taught by the Holy Spirit. You're soft to learn and to grow. And, uh, but I want to be really clear that gentleness is not weakness. And uh, there's a cool quote that I found that it says, uh, in referring to gentleness, it says, It is the quality of the man or woman who is always angry at the right time, and never at the wrong time. And I think that, to me, is a good explanation of gentleness. It's not being passive. It's knowing to when, to your battle, when to choose your battles, when to bring up the, you know, the full armor, and when to be humble. And so uh, where we see Jesus who says, turn the other cheek, and then 
he also goes in and makes whips and starts attacking people. So there's this kind of, and he says, look at him. This is what gentleness is. So gentleness is making whips in church and attacking people. No. But it's knowing when, when, there's, when is the right time to be angry, righteously angry for things that are unjust against God's people or against what God is trying to do in a place and when to be humble and when to be soft towards uh, other people. So lastly, self-control like, is basically discipline, self-discipline. And I want to be clear that you know, we know we can kind of maybe get this idea of like the bodybuilder or the athlete uh, who's training hard and has self-control, self-discipline when it comes to uh, their, their workout schedules and what to eat and what not to eat. But, uh, or maybe the student who spends all of their time in the, in the books and is very disciplined and self-controlled. But I think that self-control as a fruit of the Spirit is about self-control when it's for the benefit of others. It's not about me. It's not about my self-control. It's about how to have self-control when I'm interacting with others. Because what is the greatest law? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So one example that I thought was kind of maybe might affect a few people is having the self-control to listen instead of talking. And that can be one that's difficult, especially when we know we're right, which of course we always are. But having the self-control to be wrong and to listen to someone rather than make sure they know our opinion. And so that can be an example of self-control that's for the benefit of others rather than just ourselves. So it's my hope that we would see always more and more of these virtues of this fruit in our lives. And I want to probably cut some things because we are already running really late. But um, I think it's important to know where our roots are when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. And so I like John fifteen five that says, I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. And you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And apart from Christ, because apart from him, we don't have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to live right before God, to do, have any of those positive virtues, to deal with those battles of the sins without the Holy Spirit in our lives. So we want to cling to Christ. We want to abide in him. We want to be close to him. The closer we are to God, the closer we are to Jesus, the more we're going to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the difference is when we're in the battle, when we're doing the thing we don't want to do, the thing we hate, where are we doing? Where are we going? Are we running? Are we hiding from God like Adam did in the garden when they was caught in the sin? Or are we running to God? God, I I messed up again, but I trust you to work in me. I trust you to produce good fruit in me. We want to be good trees that produce good fruit. So we want to be connected to that vine. So our last few verses, 25 and 26, for, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we Live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we live by the Spirit, we will also keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Run to God when you're dealing with sins, when you're struggling. Run to Him. He when we're living by the Spirit, He's shaping our lives. He's transforming our hearts. And Jesus said in Luke 9.23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. It's a daily action. It's daily being led by the Spirit. It's daily seeking Him first. And the big thing, the big question to ask yourself is, 
in my action, in this thing I'm doing, in this place I'm at, who is glorified? Is God glorified in this action or am I glorified in this action? Is this about me or is God glorified? And I want to be very clear, that applies to everything we do. It, no matter how small, you can even have fun to the glory of God. You can enjoy life to the glory of God. Why? Because we have freedom. Because God wants us to enjoy the freedom that we have. And he wants us to enjoy the gifts that he gives us. And we can do those things to the glory of God. Or we can do them for ourselves. If I, I can, I love food. I, I don't know. I want to be very clear. I love to eat. I love good food. And I can eat food because, as with, in a gluttonous way for myself. Or I can, I can do it to the glory of God. I can eat food to the glory of God. And when I'm walking and living by the Holy Spirit, I can do all things to the glory of God. Because I know where my gifts, I know where that food comes from ultimately. It's a gift from God. You guys can come up. Just to hurry me up. So, I have a couple things I want to give to you guys when it comes to our living out this. When it comes to the desires of the flesh, when it comes to doing the things that we hate, our greatest defense against that is starvation. That this, our flesh is an insatiable beast that lives within us. And the more we feed it, the more it wants. So that's when we are dealing with these things, when we give into dissension, when we give into jealousy, when we give into these sins, when we give into these kind of fleshly fruits, if you will, run to Christ and starve that. Starve it. Don't, if you run from God, then the next thing you're going to do is run back to that sin. So let's starve out those things in our lives so that we see more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So, as we do another song, I want to invite you guys to stand up. Let's worship God. And uh, if you feel that you're being led in a specific thing, keep on that. Keep praying about it. Even if it sounds big, even if it sounds scary. And don't be afraid to come and talk to somebody get prayer for it and she